This morning, I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 53 to 69. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Can I give this to you, Will? William? You can take that with you. Thanks, mate. Well, if you haven't yet picked it up, today is a special day in our church calendar. It's a day where we set aside time to let you know about things that are kicking off this year, where we give you opportunities to sign up to serve, to get involved, where we pray for our leaders and where we celebrate together with the summer party after the service, which I hope you'll hang around for. And now, for the next few moments, as we turn our attention to God's Word, I'd like to talk a little bit about where we're going as a church. In fact, I've titled this sermon, Where Do We Go From Here? And I get this from Jesus' question to his 12 disciples in verse 67, when he said, Do you want to go away as well? Many people had been following Jesus, but now they're walking away from him because of some difficult things he'd said. And so he turns to his 12 disciples, his closest followers, closest friends, and he asks them, do you want to go away as well? And Peter so brilliantly responds, doesn't he? Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Now, we all reach those times in life when we have to make a decision, those points of transition, and we have to decide, where do I go from here? I remember a number of years ago, I was working as an accountant in the city. That's why I'm so funny, so much fun, life of the party. You don't have to laugh that much. But I was also, while I'm working as an accountant, I was feeling the pull towards pastoral ministry. And so I had to make the decision. Do I keep going down this path? Do I study to become a chartered accountant? Or do I leave that behind and pursue theological education and pastoral ministry? I have to decide, where do I go from here? And as a church, a couple of years ago, we reached a significant point of transition. Pastor John, after 20 plus years of serving as the senior pastor, retired. And I stepped into his role, and and in that time, we've experienced God's faithfulness to us. And we give thanks to God for all that he's done. But I think the time is right for us to ask the question, well, where do we go from here? Where is God leading us as a church? Now, the short answer, and I think the right answer, is we don't actually want to go anywhere totally different. We want to, like Peter said, stay with Jesus. He has the words of eternal life. And we are a church that has been all about Jesus, and we will continue to be all about Jesus as long as God gives us life and breath. We will continue to worship Jesus, to follow Jesus together, to share the life-giving message of Jesus with others, and to invite more people to follow him. He has the words of eternal life. Where else... Would we go? But there's another sense in which we do want to go somewhere different. We don't want to go away from Jesus, but we want to move forward with Jesus. We want to worship Jesus more deeply, follow him more closely, share the life-giving message of Jesus more clearly and invite more people to follow him. And this, I think, is a good and a biblical goal. In fact, Jesus once said on another occasion to Peter, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of death and hell will not overpower it. Jesus is building his church and he made this promise over 2,000 years ago and we have seen it become reality all over the globe. And the amazing truth is that you and I, we as a church family, get to be part of that. And so this morning, I'd like to take just a few moments to talk about what that might look like. Now, to help us think through this question, where do we go from here? I'd like to turn our attention to the story that we just read in John chapter 6. This story actually helps to clarify some important truths for us as we think about the future and as we think about where we're going. Now, to set the stage, Jesus had just miraculously fed 5,000 people with very little food, five loaves of bread and two small fish. Now, understandably, this got the crowd excited about Jesus. They began to think, this guy is amazing. He can do anything. He can feed us for free every day. And so they tried to make him king. But Jesus did not come on this occasion to ascend a throne. He came to ascend a cross. And so Jesus withdraws from the crowd, goes to a secluded place, but the crowd follow him. Maybe they got hungry. 
And so they come to Jesus, and so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach them about who he really is and why he really came. And in our reading, we picked it up towards the end of Jesus' sermon. He's already said many wonderful and difficult things, but then he says something in verse 53 that on the surface is shocking. That offends many people in the crowd that day. This is what Jesus said. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus calls on them in the crowd to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. Now, let's just admit that this is out there. That this kind of makes Jesus sound like a cult leader. In fact, it was teaching like this that led the early Christians to being accused of being cannibals. This is a hard saying. But Jesus actually takes it even further. He says, if you don't eat his flesh and if you don't drink his blood, you have no life in you. In other words, he not only calls on us to do something that sounds horrifying, but he says if we don't do it, we are helpless and hopeless. We have no life in us. It's no wonder we read in verse 60, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And this is a hard teaching, isn't it? I mean, I wonder what you think of it. I wonder if you accept it. If we're going to accept it, we need to understand what Jesus is actually saying here. You see, Jesus is not talking literally. He's not calling on the crowd to cannibalize him. Jesus is talking spiritually, metaphorically. He's using a physical example to communicate a spiritual truth. The truth that if we want to receive spiritual life, if we want to know God, if we want to have relationship with God, we must come to Jesus wholeheartedly. We must submit to Jesus totally. We must receive Jesus entirely as if we were ingesting him into our very being. And if we don't do that, Jesus says we have no life in us. We don't know God. Now, what would happen to you if you stopped eating food and drinking water totally? It would take a little while, maybe three to four days, but you would die. You would have no life left in you. And Jesus is saying if we refuse to receive him, if we refuse to ingest him, then the same thing happens spiritually. We have no life with God. Now, this is a hard saying, isn't it? And you might be thinking, well, who does Jesus think he is? How can he say this? And I guess it depends on who's saying the, the saying. If I was to say it to you this morning, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you would rightly think I'd lost my mind. But who is Jesus? Well, a little bit later, a few verses later, Jesus hears that some people in the crowd are grumbling, and so he asks them, does this offend you? And he says this kind of, a little confusing saying, he says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where, where he was before? Jesus is saying, if you saw me for who I really am, if you saw me in all of my glory, if you saw me ascending into heaven, then your offense at my words would fall away because you would see that I'm simply telling you the truth, 
that I have come from God and I am the way to God. And that if you want to know God, you must come to me. And this is why Jesus puts it so vividly, so starkly. It's not because he's being mean or he's being provocative. simply because he's being loving and honest. He's telling us the truth. I mean, when you go to the doctor, you want the doctor to be honest with you, don't you? You don't always want, you don't want them to kind of tell you half-truths or make you feel better about yourself by not telling you the whole truth. You want them to be honest with you so you know what the problem is and so you know what the solution is. And the doctor might even use words with you that are hard to hear. But they're doing that not to be mean but to be loving because they're being honest with you. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's being honest with us. And he puts it so starkly in order for us to, to wake up and to see what he's really saying to us. That if we want to know God, we must come to him totally, wholeheartedly. Now it's fair to say that this is not a popular teaching in our day. That the only way to know God is through Jesus. And it wasn't a popular teaching back in Jesus' day either. In fact, verse 66 tells us that the effect of Jesus' teaching was many disciples walking away from him. From this time, many of his disciples, we read, turned back and no longer followed him. These are people who have been following Jesus around. They've witnessed his miracles. They've heard his teaching. They've seen many of the things that he's done. And up until now, they've liked it. But they can't stomach what he's just said. Pun intended. So they refuse to follow him any further. They walk away from him. Now listen, if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you will eventually be offended by something. Something he says, something he does, something you find difficult to hear or hard to obey. It might be in the arena of sexuality or what Jesus says about money or what he says to us about the poor. I mean, it could be any area of life. Eventually, you'll be confronted by something. And if you're never confronted by something that Jesus says or does, it might be that you're not following the real Jesus. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, if your God, little g, never disagrees with you, always agrees with you, tells you everything you want to hear, you might just be worshipping an idealised version of yourself. See, because Jesus is God and we are not, there are some things that are going to confront us. And the question is, in that moment, will we choose to submit to Jesus? Will we choose to trust him? Or will we we choose to please ourselves? Now, on this particular day and after this particular teaching, many people walk away from Jesus. They leave him behind. But not everybody left. In verse 67, Jesus turns to the 12 disciples, Peter, James, Andrew, John, and so forth. They apparently had not walked away, and he asked them the question that we looked at earlier. Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave me? Do you want to stop following me? Now, what a moment. I can kind of imagine the disciples looking at one another, thinking, who's going to speak up first? And as usual, it's Peter. Now, Peter's going to have some dark moments in the future, but this isn't one of them. 
His reply in this moment is special. It's profound. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, what a statement. And notice what Peter says about Jesus in his reply. Firstly, he refers to the words of Jesus. He says, you have the words of eternal life. In other words, it's almost as if Peter is saying, Jesus, some of the things you say are confusing. They're they're hard to hear. They're hard to understand. They can be difficult to obey. But we've never heard words like them. They're the most remarkable words we've ever heard. They've brought life to us. They've exposed our hearts. They've satisfied our minds. They've met our deepest needs. Jesus, nobody speaks like you do. You have the words of eternal life. And maybe this is your story. Maybe you became a Christian by reading the words of Jesus in the Bible or hearing the words of Jesus in a sermon or maybe a friend shared them with you. But your heart cracked open to the life-giving words of Jesus and you've never been the same because he has the words of eternal life. But notice Peter doesn't just refer to Jesus' words, he also refers to the character of Jesus. He says, you are the Holy One of God. It's almost as if Peter is saying, Jesus, we have observed you up close. We've seen the way you treat other people, the way you talk to other people, the way you talk about people. And we've come to see that there's no one like you. There's nothing wrong in you. You are the Holy One of God. You are the sinless one. We're drawn to you. We're compelled by you. There's no one else to whom we want to go. And this is the testimony of all true Christians. No matter what you might be going through, no matter what difficulties you might be facing, no matter your sin, your weakness, your failure, no matter your confusion, your doubts, your pain, you cannot and you will not leave Jesus because there is no one else who compares to him. There is no one else to whom you want to go. Peter is putting all of his hopes on Jesus. He's pushed all his chips onto Jesus' square. And as we think about where we're going this year and into the future, this is why I wanted to turn our attention to this story. Because like Peter, I want us as individuals and as a church to place all our hope in Jesus. To be aware of our total dependence on Jesus. I want Peter's confession to be our confession. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so this brings us to to where we're going this year and beyond. Last year, God gave us a wonderful time together. But I believe he has even more blessings in store for us in 2020. And I just want to talk about where we're heading this year. Now, as a church, we have a, a firm conviction that the word of God should be central to all that we do. Because the spirit of God uses the word of God to multiply and to grow the people of God. This is why we place an emphasis on the preaching of God's word. This is why we develop growth group guides to go along with our sermon series. Because the word of God does the work of God in our lives. And so with that in mind, let me tell you about some of the different sermon series that we have coming up this year. Next week, we kick off a series called A Beautiful Life. For nine weeks, we'll be exploring the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth. 
we want to talk about what does it look like for us to grow in Christ-likeness, to become the people that God has called us to be. Then on Good Friday after that series, we'll begin a sermon series called Dear God, Why? We're going to be talking about some of the common questions we all have when it comes to God and faith and, and following Jesus. We're going to be talking about questions like science and, and suffering and, and the Bible and judgment and so on. We actually have a, a guest speaker coming as well to share with us in that series. We have Dan Patterson from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries who will be coming on the 26th of April. So put that date in your diaries as we explore some of these big questions together. Then after that, we'll move into a series called Understanding Jesus. We're going to be looking at some of the, the big significant episodes from the life of Jesus that we read about in the Gospel of John. And these will help us to know what it means and what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. And so let me just encourage you as we kind of launch into these things to engage with God's word. Grab a copy of the growth group guides that we produce and use it in your devotions. Join a growth group if you're not part of one. You can sign up after the service or you can register your interest. Maybe you just want to meet up with a friend one-on-one -on -one this year, once a week, once a fortnight, and just read the Bible and pray together. That's a simple way for you to engage with God's word and allow it to do its work in your life. Now, as we move into the second half of the year, we'll begin with a series where we launch our new mission, vision, and values. A fresh articulation of who we are and what we believe God is calling us to do. Now, we believe the time is right for us to, to refresh and to refocus some areas of our church. Areas like our logo that hasn't had an update in a, a long, long time. Our building, it, it needs a bit of a facelift in some parts and we think that we can refresh it and, and make it more effective for ministry. We've already obviously begun the process with the youth shed and if you get a chance after the service, pop your head in there. Our team has done a wonderful job at that. It's not quite finished yet, but it's getting close and we had just a stack of people here yesterday making that happen. So our building... Can we make our facilities more effective and more appealing? We're also going to be looking at refreshing our name, our name as a church. Now, that's obviously a, a big change, I know, but it's important for us to explore this if we want to keep moving forward, keep reaching out to a changing culture, and keep sharing the life-giving message of Jesus with others. Now, as I mentioned, you're going to be hearing lots more about this as the year unfolds, and you'll have the opportunity to give feedback, and, because we're all in this together. We're all called to be involved in the mission of God, and we're all called to be open to the leading of God. And so I'm really excited about where God is leading us. I'm really excited about this next season of, of ministry and church life that God is leading us into, and, and I just look forward to serving Jesus alongside you all. Now, of course, there's lots of other things that will be happening in the life of our church, and, and I can't go into all of them, but let me just mention a couple. Caroline's already mentioned youth ministry. Nathaniel and the team have been working hard at reinvigorating the Friday night youth ministry. Uh, and if you'd like to find out more about that, pick up the quarterly. There's uh, more details in there. And as I mentioned, Hayden Smith is also coming on board uh, to help out in that arena, which we're really, really thankful for and excited about. We'll also continue to run Alpha this year. Now, Alpha is a series of sessions that explores life and faith and meaning, and we want to make it easy for people who come from outside the church with very little exposure to faith or church background to know, what's my next step? 
who is Jesus, what he's all about, and what does it mean for me to be a Christian, to follow him. That's why we run Alpha, and I'd love to invite you, if you have questions about faith, if you'd like to learn more about following Jesus, jump on board with Alpha. It actually starts on Thursday night. Ben will be leading it down here at the church, and it's not too late to register. If you'd like to be involved in leading Alpha in the future, if if you love that space where you can explore questions and get in contact with us as well, we'd love to have you involved. Let me also encourage you to get involved this year by serving. The Apostle Paul describes the church as a body and he tells us that every single part of the body is important. And every single part of the body has a role to play. So let me encourage you to play your role this year. There are so many opportunities for you to serve and you can sign up after the service if you're interested in that. Now, I can't mention everything, like I said, but the quarterly has more information. Grab that. You'll be able to find a lot about the ministries that are kicking off, kids' ministries, youth ministry, seniors' ministry, singles' ministry, BPCC men and women, Easter services, events that are coming up and so forth. It's all in here, so make sure you check that out. And get involved. Get your children involved. We're all in this together. We're all part of the body of Christ. And I want to go forward as we step forward into new year, as we step forward into this new season of ministry. I want us to go forward in total dependence on Jesus with all of our hope in him because he has the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, and he has extended to us the gift of eternal life, life lived in relationship with you. And Lord, we want to be a church that overflows with life, that overflows with the good news of what you've done for us in Jesus. So Lord, as we look to where we're going this year, we know that we are totally and utterly dependent on you. And so we cast ourselves upon your mercy. We put all our hope in you. And Lord, as we plant the seeds and water the seeds and as we work, we cry out and we ask that you might bring the growth. We ask that you alone would do what only you can do. And Lord, help us all to realize the role that we have to play. Not a single part of the body is indispensable. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your great love, for your people. And now as we step forward, Lord, we ask and pray that we might go emboldened and empowered by that message and with that message on our lips. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand to hear this blessing from God's Word in Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
And how great the chasm that 